part four of henry wirtz commander of andersonville confederate prison trial and execution by united states army staff judge advocate part four closing statement of judge advocate prosecutor part four the charge of conspiracy we come now to a consideration of the third branch of the subject having presented a faithful representation faithful because the witnesses have given it of the conditions of the stockade and the hospital we shall proceed to unfold the extent of the conspiracy the purposes the conspirators and the cruel and devilish means resorted to to accomplish their ends i confess to you gentlemen that i enter upon this branch of the argument with regret and reluctance i confess that to a greater or lesser extent our nationality and the good name we bear are involved in the issue but i do not fear to present to the world on this account this great conspiracy of treason this confederation of traitors though it shock the moral sentiment of the universe for however much we may deplore the fact that its head and front were americans once prominent in the councils of the nation they have forfeited all rights they have ceased in any way to represent the true spirit of americanism they are outlaws and criminals and cannot by their crimes taint our fair escutcheon it is the work of treason the legitimate result of that sum of all villainies and which by many very many proofs during the past four years has shown itself capable of this last one developed when we remember that the men here charged and those inculpated but not named in the indictment are some of them men who were at the head of the late rebellion from its beginning to its close and as such chiefs sanctioned the brutal conduct of their soldiers as early as the first battle of bull run who perpetrated unheard-of cruelties at libby and belle isle who encouraged the most atrocious propositions of retaliation in their congress who sanctioned a guerrilla mode of warfare who instilled a system of steamboat burning and firing of cities who employed a surgeon in their service to steal into our capital city infected clothing who approved the criminal treatment of the captured prisoners at fort pillow fort washington and elsewhere who were guilty of the basest treachery in sending paroled prisoners into the field who planted torpedoes in the paths of our soldiers who paid their emissaries for loading shell in the shape of coal and intermixing them in the fuel of our steamers who ordered an indiscriminate firing upon our transports and vessels and railroad trains regardless of whom they contained who organized and carried to a successful termination a most diabolical conspiracy to assassinate the president of the united states when we remember these things of these men may we not without hesitancy bring to light the conspiracy here charged before entering however into a discussion of the evidence let me present the law governing in case of conspiracy i quote from the very able argument of john a bingham delivered for the prosecution in the trial of the conspirators for the assassination of president lincoln whose law propositions and authorities given cannot be gainsaid 
if the conspiracy be established as laid it results that whatever was said or done by either of the parties thereto in the furtherance or execution of the common design is the declaration or act of all the other parties to the conspiracy and this whether the other parties at the time such words are uttered or such acts are done by their confederates were present or absent the declared and accepted rule of law in cases of conspiracy is that in prosecutions for conspiracy it is an established rule that where several persons are proved to have combined together for the same illegal purpose any act done by one of the party in pursuance of the original concerted plan and in reference to the common object is in the contemplation of law as well as of sound reason the act of the whole party and therefore the proof of the act will be evidence against any of the others who were engaged in the same general conspiracy without regard to the question whether the prisoner is proved to have been concerned in the particular transaction phillips on evidence page two ten the same rule obtains in cases of treason if several persons agree to levy war some in one place and some in another and one party do actually appear in arms this is a levying of war by all as well those who were not in arms as those who were if it were done in pursuance of the original concert for those who made the attempt were emboldened by the confidence inspired by the general concert and therefore these particular acts are in justice imputable to all the rest one east pleas of the crown page ninety seven roscoe eighty four in ex parte bowman and swartart four crimes one twenty six marshall chief justice rules if war be actually levied that is if a body of men be actually assembled for the purpose of effecting by force a treasonable purpose all those who perform any part however minute or however remote from the scene of action and who are actually leagued in the general conspiracy are to be considered as traitors in united states versus cole et al five mclean six o one mr justice mclean says a conspiracy is rarely if ever proved by positive testimony when a crime of high magnitude is about to be perpetrated by a combination of individuals they do not act openly but covertly and secretly the purpose formed is known only to those who enter into it unless one of the original conspirators betray his companions and give evidence against them their guilt can only be proved by circumstantial evidence it is said by some writers on evidence that such circumstances are stronger than positive proof a witness swearing positively it is said may misapprehend the facts or swear falsely but that circumstances cannot lie the common design is the essence of the charge and this may be made to appear when the defendants steadily pursue the same object whether acting separately or together by common or different means all leading to the same unlawful result and where prima facie evidence has been given of a combination the acts and confessions of one are evidence against all 
it is reasonable that where a body of men assume the attribute of individuality whether for commercial business or the commission of a crime the association should be bound by the acts of one of its members in carrying out the design it is a rule of the law not to be overlooked in this connection that the conspiracy or agreement of the parties or some of them to act in concert to accomplish the unlawful act charged may be established either by direct evidence of a meeting or consultation for the illegal purpose charged or more usually from the very nature of the case by circumstantial evidence second starkey two thirty two lord mansfield ruled that it was not necessary to prove the actual fact of a conspiracy but that it might be collected from collateral circumstances parsons case one w blackstone three ninety two if says a great authority on the law of evidence on a charge of conspiracy it appears that two persons by their acts are presuming the same object and often by the same means or one performing part of the act and the other completing it for the attainment of the same object the jury may draw the conclusion there is a conspiracy if a conspiracy be formed and a person join in it afterwards he is equally guilty with the original conspirators roscoe page four fifteen the rule of the admissibility of the acts and declarations of any one of the conspirators said or done in furtherance of the common design applies in cases as well where only part of the conspirators are indicted and upon trial thus upon an indictment of murder if it appear that others together with the prisoner conspire to commit the crime the act of one done in pursuance of that intention will be evidence against the rest second starkey two thirty seven they are alike guilty as principles commonwealth v knapp nine pickering four ninety six ten pickering four seventy seven six term reports five to eight eleven east five eighty four let us see what the evidences are of a common design to murder by starvation these hapless helpless wretches first then who are officers high and low civil and military whom the evidence implicates in this great crime as i shall show you by the testimony there are associated in this conspiracy as directly implicated and as perpetrators the prisoner at the bar brigadier-general john h winder surgeon isaiah h white surgeon r r stevenson dr kerr captain r b winder captain reed james h duncan w w turner and ben harris remote from the scene but no less responsible than these named nay rather with a greater weight of guilt resting upon them are the leader of the rebellion his war minister his surgeon-general his commissary and quartermaster-general his commissioner of exchange and all others sufficiently high in authority to have prevented these atrocities and to whom the knowledge of them was brought chief among the conspirators and the actual participators in the crime the immediate tool first and last of the rebel government we shall see was general winder it is proper therefore that we should know who he was and the precise relations which he bore to the government which he represented 
we learn from many sources that he had for a long time prior to the organization of the andersonville prison been at the head of the military prisons in and around richmond holding also the position of provost-marshal of that important centre of the rebellion we learn from the witness j b jones record page twenty five thirty one manuscript page twelve nineteen that his rule as provost-marshal was almost a reign of terror that his authority was so great he could arrest men indiscriminately even in distant states and that he was constantly sustained and supported by jefferson davis and his confidential adviser and premier mr benjamin the witness cashmeyer record page twenty eight forty forty one manuscript page twelve twenty one the confidential detective and constant companion of general winder till the close of the rebellion says their relations those of davis and winder were very friendly indeed and very confidential i often heard general winder say so i often saw him go there and come from there about the time that general winder's reign of terror was at its climax and there was great opposition felt and expressed towards him both in and out of the rebel congress a combined effort was made to have him relieved and sent away general bragg and ransom being prominent in the movement at this time cashmeyer says president davis was his winder's especial friend when the order relieving general winder came from the war department he took it and went up to mr davis president davis endorsed on it as well as i can recollect that it was entirely unnecessary and uncalled for some time after this it was thought wise by the rebel authorities to organize the andersonville prison and the whole matter was placed in the hands of general winder by the orders issued from the war department for the purpose general winder himself did not go to andersonville till about the first of june but he sent forward as we learn from the testimony of cashmeyer record page twenty eight forty two manuscript page twelve twenty one of spencer record page six hundred manuscript page ten fifty six of captain wright record page seven ninety manuscript page eleven seventy seven and others his son captain w s winder of his staff as his special executive officer and as we learn from the testimony of colonel persons record page six thirteen manuscript page two fifty with absolute discretion in the location of the prison this was in the latter part of december eighteen sixty three shortly after another officer of general winder a nephew of his captain r b winder a quartermaster arrived at andersonville and assumed the duties of his office captain wright in speaking of him record page twenty four forty seven manuscript page eleven seventy seven says he told me that he had no orders to report to any quartermaster at all that he reported directly to richmond and received his instructions from richmond subsequently in the month of march eighteen sixty four general winder sent still another of his staff officers the prisoner at the bar who as we learn from his report made may eighth see eggs number sixteen manuscript page six fifty eight was assigned to the command of the prison on the twenty seventh of march 
of him colonel persons says record page six o two and following manuscript page two forty nine he came direct from richmond my understanding was by order of general winder i saw an official order to that effect i received a communication about the time captain wirtz reached there from general winder it stated that captain wirtz was an old prison officer a very reliable man and capable of governing prisoners and wound up by saying that i would give him command of the prison proper from the return of staff officers made by general winder after he had himself arrived at andersonville and who he says were acting under the orders of brigadier-general john h winder commanding the post at andersonville georgia commanding the camps and stockade containing the federal prisoners of war and the guard troops for the same the prison for federal prisoners of war at macon georgia etc etc we find that dr isaiah h white also on his staff was assigned to duty at andersonville by orders of the war department at richmond as chief surgeon in charge of the prison hospital he arrived at andersonville about the same time as the two captains winder this comprises the original corps of officers sent from richmond to carry out the hellish purposes of the rebel government and which as we shall see as we advance was most faithfully done by them can there be any doubt as to what the original purpose of the rebel government was let us go to the very origin of the prison ambrose spencer testifies record page twenty four seventy two to seventy four manuscript page ten fifty six as follows i saw captain w s winder at the time he was laying out the prison i asked him if he was going to erect barracks or shelter of any kind he replied that he was not that the damned yankees who would be put in there would have no need of them i asked him why he was cutting down all the trees and suggested that they would prove a shelter to the prisoners from the heat of the sun at least he made his reply or something similar to it that is just what i am going to do i am going to build a pen here that will kill more damned yankees than can be destroyed in the front these are very nearly his words or equivalent to them how was this plan thus emphatically avowed carried out the stockade was located across a stream which general wilson of our army says record page fifteen thirty nine manuscript page eight twenty two would not run more water than would supply for the purposes of an army a larger command than four or five thousand men a sluggish stream as dr jones calls it which with the springs along its banks sufficient probably to supply a regiment more was the only water originally intended for the prisoners from the inside of the prison everything was taken which could in any way contribute to the comfort convenience or health of the prisoners and was never replaced by shelter neither during the burning heat of the summer which dr thornburg tells you was not much short of a hundred and fifty degrees in the sun nor the cold which followed in the winter sufficiently severe as is shown by several witnesses to freeze and which did freeze many prisoners to death it will be remembered too that not four hundred yards distant below the site selected for the stockade was a stream of water which general wilson says was ample for any number of troops 
a stream that could not have been exhausted and which after careful examination as he says was found to flow a volume of water equal to fifteen feet by five feet with a velocity of a mile an hour record page eighteen seventy six manuscript page eight twenty two and which colonel persons says record page six ten manuscript page two fifty it occurred to him me should have been a preferable place to the one where the prison was located adding i suggested it to w s winder i believe i recollect distinctly it was one of the winders the mere location of the prison in the absence of other facts would not perhaps of itself convey a criminal intent but when we remember what followed and certain other facts which will be presented it becomes a very important link in the chain of evidence leading to the guilt of the parties alleged it will be remembered that the immense bakehouse the only accommodation of that kind furnished for the prisoners until late in the year was located so that all the filth and garbage and offal of that place which is described as itself almost as filthy as the stockade passed directly through the prison this it is testified to by many could with equal convenience have been located elsewhere and this was suggested to captain r b winder the quartermaster at the time of its erection immediately below the stockade as appears from the evidence of dr jones dr roy and others trees were felled in the stream and brush thrown into the swamp so that the filth escaping from the prison which ought to have been allowed to pass rapidly off was here caught spread over the surface and disseminated in the soil till as these medical gentlemen say it became a prolific source of disease and sent back into the prison a horrible stench these preparations of death did not cease here but with incredible malice or with recklessness equally criminal the troops arriving at the post for the purpose of defence were encamped above the stockade and along the stream in such a manner that as many witnesses testify all the washings of the camps and overflows of the sinks during storms swept into the stockade into this horrible pen were the prisoners of war ushered and here were they confined in hopeless captivity here too for many months with all these surroundings and everything calculated to make it certain death for the sick was the hospital retained and not until after earnest protests from many officers not until after frequent representations through official channels to the rebel government through general winder who was still in richmond not until after as we learn from the testimony of colonel persons humanity impelled him to take the responsibility was the hospital removed outside and this he tells us record page thirty fifty nine manuscript page thirteen o four was done in violation of general winder's orders and was tardily acquiesced in some weeks after by an order from richmond about the time of this clamour for the removal of the hospital considerations of humanity pleaded with equal fervour for an enlargement of the stockade prisoners had been sent forward under orders from richmond with such rapidity and in such numbers that they could only be turned into this place like cattle until at the time we speak of within an enclosure of little more than twelve acres excluding the swamp unfit for occupation and the deadline space 
the frightful number of over eighteen thousand were confined protest after protest went up through many sources to general winder at richmond colonel person says record page twenty sixty one manuscript page thirteen o five we sent an objection to the authorities at richmond to general winder and urged him to hold up and not ship any more prisoners there but he paid no attention to it this seething mass of humanity with scarcely room to stand upon crying for help the more conscientious officers of the post doing all in their power to alleviate their sufferings the commanding officer notifying the rebel government what they must have known all the time that the mortality was great and must be still greater unless something should be done colonel persons was aroused upon this subject as he had been upon the matter of removing the hospital and here again he took the responsibility as he tells us record page six twenty one manuscript page two fifty eight to order an enlargement of the stockade about one-third which was done under the direction of captain wright by the prisoners themselves colonel persons says record page thirty sixty three manuscript page thirteen o six that when he saw they did not intend holding up but continued to ship more prisoners and saw that the prison was overcrowded he directed the enlargement of the prison and he says after i had finished the extension or perhaps after i have got it partly finished orders came giving me permission to do it there can be no doubt that during all this time the precise conditions of affairs at andersonville was well understood at richmond general winder to whom the entire business of organizing and conducting the prison was assigned remained in richmond as the representative of the prison at that place he was in constant correspondence with the officers on duty at andersonville as is fully shown by what has just been stated that he frequently conferred with the officers of the war department is not only reasonably inferable but is absolutely certain general cobb in his letter to the adjutant-general of may five c x number fifteen manuscript page six forty nine says i presume the character of the prison is well understood at richmond and therefore give no description of it the introduction of his letter showing that his presumption was well founded is as follows under your order to inform myself of the condition of the prison at andersonville with the view of furnishing from the reserve corps the necessary guard for its protection and safety and so forth dr eldridge in his report forwarded to richmond at the same time as general cobbs in speaking of the necessity of removing the hospital outside and endeavouring to meet the objection made at richmond says such an enclosure as i should suggest a plank fence ten feet high would require but very few additional guards as the guard appears to be the objection urged at richmond to a separate enclosure on the eighth of may eighteen sixty four the prisoner at the bar made a report to major turner who as an officer on duty pertaining to prisons connected with the war department see x number sixteen manuscript page six fifty eight in which the condition of affairs at andersonville at that date was fully set forth this report reached richmond during the same month and was submitted to the war department by general winder with the following endorsement 
approved and respectfully forwarded captain wirtz has proven himself to be a diligent and efficient officer whose superior in commanding prisons and incident duties i know not we all know as officers of the army that the furnishing of subsistence of the material used by quartermasters and of hospital supplies and medicine was all done either through the chiefs of those several departments at richmond acting under the supervision of the secretary of war himself or by virtue of the orders of these chiefs and of that secretary it is not creditable that such an immense prison as that at andersonville used as a receptacle for prisoners from all parts of the south was unknown to the richmond government and that the whole management the subsistence of the prisoners their comfort their safety everything was left in the hands of this heretofore obscure man now on trial but it is said that during these straitened times the prisoner and the other officers charged were doing all in their power to alleviate the sufferings so well known at richmond and at andersonville without stopping now to inquire what could have been done and what is shown by a cloud of witnesses to have been in their power notice a moment what was done and whether or not it was in furtherance of the conspiracy captain r b winder as we learn from captain wright's testimony record page twenty seven forty seven manuscript page eleven seventy seven came to andersonville untrammelled by any orders reported to no one but received his instructions from the quartermaster-general he told captain wright that all the quartermasters had been ordered by the quartermaster-general to furnish him what supplies he needed to fill his requisitions with powers thus ample he erected a few scanty miserable sheds at one end of the stockade which were then used as a hospital and were not sufficient for the sick he built a cook-house which was a prolific source of suffering and death and which was not of sufficient capacity to prepare rations for more than five thousand men properly he built a hospital enclosure with some sheds within it covered but not sided he furnished the prisoners with wood for cooking purposes as we learn at the rate of three cord sticks to a squad of ninety he managed to transfer to his private till a large amount of money sent him by his government as intimated in the testimony of captain wright he folded his arms while colonel persons enlarged the stockade and removed the hospital work which belonged exclusively to him he did this omitting to do many things that were not only in his power but which it was his duty to do leaving the post finally in the latter part of the summer taking away nearly everything as captain wright says record page twenty seven forty nine manuscript page eleven seventy eight that pertained to his department not however until by his acts of omission and commission he had become answerable for the deaths of hundreds of these unfortunate prisoners captain w s winder remained true to his purpose as declared to mr spencer and in more ways than one demonstrated how true was his declaration i am going to build a pen here that will kill more damned yankees than can be destroyed in the front 
dr isaiah h white an important adjunct to this scheme and indispensable to its faithful execution was at the head of the hospital whence he reported to his superior officers at richmond from time to time the dreadful and increasing mortality the prisoner now before you despite all his pretended protests at the time despite the individual and widely separated instances of humanity which have been paraded here remained as he truly said in his letter to major-general wilson which was the first item of evidence introduced in this trial the tool in the hands of his my superiors see x number one manuscript page one he had introduced himself to the prisoners by stopping their rations the first day he was on duty he had instituted between that time and the time of general winder's arrival a system of the most cruel and inhuman punishments he had made his name a terror among the prisoners and his society a reproach to his comrades upon whom he inflicted it he had established the deadline and all its accompanying horrors he had given the prisoners a foreshadowing of the stocks of the balls and chains of the chain-gang of starvation as a punishment and all that black catalogue of cruelty and suffering unknown even to a draconian code he had declared to several of the prisoners engaged in the burial of the dead this is the way i give the yankees the land they came to fight for he had scores of times told the prisoners when maltreating them that he intended to starve them to death he had boasted that he was doing more for the confederacy than any general in the field he had paraded the chain-gang for the amusement of his wife and daughters he had with drawn pistol told a prisoner who dared to complain of the rations damn you i'll give you bullets for bread are you not prepared then to believe that at the time of general winder's arrival the prisoner was in the execution of the common design with a knowledge of its object and acting in harmony with its chief instrument general winder this is andersonville in part the suffering of our prisoners in part and something of the evidence of the conspiracy begun and continued up to the time of general winder's arrival we shall see now whether the law governing this question after a recital of the facts which follow does not direct you to find a verdict of guilty you will remember that when colonel persons was on the stand he told you that assuming to do what the law and the army regulations made it the duty of the quartermaster to do and which in this case captain winder had wholly neglected to do he sent to the different sawmills along the line of the railroad for lumber moved as he tells you by a feeling of humanity and a desire to alleviate in some ways the suffering of the prisoner he says record page six o eight manuscript page two fifty two i had concentrated there i suppose about five or six trainloads of lumber i suppose nearly fifty carloads i quote further from the record the following question were you permitted to erect a shelter answer i was in the act of doing so was just carrying the lumber when i was relieved question by whom answer by general winder question had he arrived on the same day answer he arrived there about that time question was your plan carried out answer i went into the stockade several times after i was relieved from duty and i saw no shelter there 
i saw forty or fifty houses springing up outside of the grounds the lumber disappeared in that way at this time the journal of the prison shows there were over nineteen thousand prisoners in the stockade this was the first official act of general winder on his arrival it was the third time colonel persons had given mortal offence and he was not longer to be tolerated what could more strongly present the unmitigated diabolism of that friend of president davis that man upon the order relieving whom the rebel chief wrote it is entirely unnecessary and uncalled for this was the man who found a ready advocate in the rebel premier mr benjamin and who was not only sustained from first to last by his chief but was rewarded for official conduct that will place his name amongst those of the most infamous of any age or clime general winder's second act was to establish himself comfortably and at a respectful distance from the prison where he remained from the first of june until early in the fall notice now as we advance how the sufferings of this prison increased how everything from which torture and death could result was resorted to how all those methods of inhuman punishment instituted by the prisoner were approved and sanctioned by general winder and that during the whole period of his command not a single act is recorded which does not prove him to have been not only a brutal man as mr spencer says he was but that he was the chief instrument in the hands of a wicked treasonable conspiracy to murder the prisoners of war in his custody he came there with authority unlimited with discretion to do whatever circumstances required to carry out the purposes of his command in an appeal published by him to the citizens of the surrounding counties cx number twenty seven manuscript page seven o seven he calls for two thousand negroes properly supplied with axes spades and picks and supported by the requisite number of wagons and teams for the purpose of rendering more hopeless the imprisonment of our soldiers holding over the people of that vicinity the terrors of impressment which in this appeal he claims to have authority to make yet with all this power with all these appliances at hand and within reach of his call not a single shelter did he ever erect not a ditch did he dig to drain that horrible cesspool below the stockade and within it not a tithe of the wood absolutely necessary did he cause to be taken into the stockade not once did he visit that place over which he had supreme control not a well did he cause to be digged within it not an order did he issue to abate one jot or tittle of the frightful rigours of that prison pen not a kindly or humane sentiment is he shown during that whole time to have uttered towards those prisoners in his custody on the contrary he scattered to the four winds as we have seen that immense pile of lumber accumulated by colonel persons for the purpose of erecting shelter in the stockade he approved all that had been done by his subordinate the prisoner even recommending him for promotion 
he legalized the detail of turner who was a confederate soldier to take command of a pack of hounds to run down prisoners and afterwards permanently detached him from his regiment for that purpose he authorized and ordered the hanging of six prisoners of war within the stockade which by all the laws of war was no more nor less than murder so far as he was concerned he brutally refused the philanthropic ladies of americus twice in their attempts to render assistance to the sick at the hospital even intimating on one of those occasions to those ladies of the highest respectability that a repetition of their humane efforts would bring upon themselves a punishment too infamous to be named End of part four.